Bibles to the 78th Psalm. Psalms 78, we're going to be all over this chapter, or if you're particular, they're called divisions, but we'll say chapter, and we're going to be all over it tonight. I'll read to you verses 12 through 20, and reading these verses, what comes to our mind is God is able. Psalm 78 and verse 12, marvelous things did he in the sight of their fathers, in the land of Egypt, in the field of Zoan. He divided the sea and caused them to pass through. He made the waters to stand as an heap. In the daytime also he led them with a cloud. And all the night with a light of fire. He clave the rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink as out of the great depths. He brought streams also out of the rock. And caused waters to run down like rivers. And they sinned yet more against him by provoking the Most High in the wilderness. And they tempted God in their heart, asking meat for their lust. Yea, they spake against God. They said, Can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Behold, he smote the rock, that the waters gushed out, and the streams overflowed. Can he give bread also? Can he provide flesh for his people? Well, those are some good verses for you and I to take from this, to sum up something that's very familiar to you and I, and that is a stage, a certain period of time for the children of Israel, and they're complaining against God, they're doubting of God, and they asked, can God? Well, we'll title this, God is able. God wants you and I to know that He is able tonight. Whatever our need is, I don't know what it is in your life, or maybe I've just never experienced it, but I know that every one of God's children can say God is able. And God is pleased because unbelief does not please God. He, he does not like doubt. Charles Spurgeon said it very directly and very well when he said, Every other crime touches God's territory, but unbelief aims a blow at His divinity, impeaches His veracity, denies His goodness, blasphemes His attributes, maligns His character. Therefore God, of all things, hates first and chiefly unbelief wherever it is. And what we see among the children of Israel here is a doubting people. I'll read verse 20 and verse 41 as we see no trust 
It says, Behold, he smote the rock that the waters gushed out and the streams overflowed. Can he give bread also? Can he provide flesh for his people? Verse 41. Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Here is a situation where the people called God's people had no trust. They should have had trust in God. They had every reason to trust the Lord without hesitation. They should have had zero hesitation. They acted like they were completely blind through the mighty power and working of miracles of God in the midst of them. And so we think about those miracles that he did in that time. And what we must know today is that God is still just as mighty among us now. You know, there, there just seems to be more fret than faith when it comes to God and, and what He has done in the body of Christ overall. There's a whole lot of fretting going on when God is still the same today. And He's almighty and all-powerful today. All the while through the fret, God is trustworthy and we can trust in Him without delay. Jesus encouraged His disciples to believe. And that's what we must do today. The Lord is trustworthy. But we see that this doubting people Israel had no trust. But not only that, they gave no thought. They gave no thought into all that God had done. I could go through 42 verses of this psalm talking about the example of Israel giving no thought to what God has done. I'll just go through 12 of them. I won't read them all. I'll just skim them. And they were, they were commanded to not forget, and for good reason they had to have that command. They were commanded not to be stubborn and rebellious. They were turning their back in the day of battle. They didn't keep the covenants of God. They didn't walk in faith with God. They didn't walk according to His law. They forgot His works, the Bible says, and the wonders that God had shown them. They sinned against God. They provoked Him in the wilderness. They tempted Him. They spoke against Him. And they questioned God. And that's just summing up 12 verses of the condition of Israel. There's 30 more that we could go through that reveals that Israel had given no thought in the moment to all that God had done. They forgot His miracles and His mighty power that they had witnessed in their lives. And God has come through for you and I endless times, over and over. He has parted the waters 
in our lives, if you will. He has eased the pressure. He has lifted the weight of our burdens throughout our lives. He has met our need time and time again. He has proven Himself over and over to us, personally and individually, throughout our lives. But, you know, when a new trial pops up for you and I, we can seem to only see the present with no recollection sometimes of all that God has done. We need the blessed memory of all that the Lord has done throughout because it gives you and I hope in our burdens. What He worked out for good then, He is going to work out for good in our lives again. God does not work anything out to be bad in our lives just to be bad. We may not understand it, but we trust that He doeth all things well. Shall not the the God of all the earth do that which is right? He does that which is right. He doesn't change, and He's never going to work anything out just for our demise. It's always for good. But Israel gave no thought to these things, gave no thought to what God had done. Not only did they have no thought, they had no trench. And what I mean by that is having depth with God. And we see that they had no depth with God by their questioning of God. It's not wrong to ask God a question. God is my Father, and He's your Father, and we can ask our Father questions. But Israel was asking God questions in such a way to limit His ability. They were questioning God's ability as to whether He can do something or not. You know, Shelly and I got married... And I don't know a whole lot about one thing, but I know a, a lot about different things. And I can, I can do some work with my hands, and I can fix some things, and I can build some things. Shelly didn't know that. So when we were first married, every adventure I took off into to try to build something or repair something, same question every time. Do you know how to do that? And, and it was a personal thing that went on between she and I, and it wasn't, it wasn't going good until my mother-in-law came over, and I heard her say, does he know how to do that? <laughs> and then, and then I did not know how to fix something one day, so Shelly got granddaddy on the phone, and he started telling me how to fix it. Then he said, you know what, never mind, I'll be over there in 30 minutes. You, don't, you won't know how to do it, and hung up the phone. So I realized where that come from. And it was okay to question my ability in some things. It didn't work out. But with God, 
we never have to question God's ability. We, we should question God. We should ask Him questions as our Father, but we should not question His ability. Verses 19 and 20 says, Yea, they spake against God. They said, Can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Behold, He smote the rock that the waters gushed out and the streams overflowed. Can He give bread also? Can He provide flesh for his people. You know, there's a very popular question which has been advised to you and I in our time of need or in our time of trouble that we should ask ourselves. And that is, is this too hard for God? Is this something that is just too big for God? And you know, unfortunately with some, they don't have an instant response to that question. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes the most grounded, solid Christian, that's the last question they want to hear. You know, everything happens for a reason. We need to be timely with that. There are some times that the, the, the most solid Christians that I've ever known do not want to hear that bit of encouraging advice. You know, but, but is this too big for God? The thought maybe of some not wanting to hear that just might be, I just want to see it in another avenue. I want to see it in a more comfortable. I want to see it in a relatable avenue. I want someone to do something. I want myself to be able to do something. And you know, if that's the case, that's a sign that we need to get to know more about Jesus. That we need to draw more nigh to our Lord Jesus Christ that we would research Him so His facts will be established in us and we will draw different conclusions concerning our provision and our problems in our lives. Let us remember what God has already done so that we do not mirror the mistakes of Israel in this time of them being a doubting people. So as we've dealt with this subject of doubt and the doubting people of Israel, let's look at a definite God in verses 5 through 7. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments. It just popped in my head reading that. From generation to generation to declare the things of God, to make known the things of God. It makes me think about a baby dedication that someone would request for their child every now and then. And the truth about that, the way that that makes the most sense of, of doing that is a parent dedication actually. The parents dedicating themselves 
to raising their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You know, I, I hope everyone's child grows up to be successful and to be able to do great things. But the most important thing we can do is teach them about the Lord Jesus Christ so they can know Him, so they can know eternal life. It's a matter of heaven or hell for eternity. And, and so as we consider a definite God, we can consider how He's faithful. God's Word, it never fails, it never disappoints, it never ends. The Lord's instructions are for us to teach our children the Word of God and to keep the Word of God. He will surely keep His Word to us. He is due, you and I, to keep His Word. He has or He definitely will fulfill every promise that He has ever made. Romans 4.21 says, Abraham staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Hebrews 6.18 speaks of how it's impossible for God to lie. Numbers 23.19 says, Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? Titus chapter 1 and verse 2. A wonderful verse which teaches and tells us that God has promised eternal life before the world began. And that He is the God who cannot lie. He's faithful. He's not only faithful, He's functional. Verse 4. We will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and His strength and His wonderful works that He hath done. Verse 12. Marvelous things did He in the sight of their fathers in the land of Egypt in the field of Zoan. Israel's history is about God demonstrating His power to them. What's your life been about? Well, it's been about everything that God has done for us. He dropped food from heaven to us for 40 years. And you know everything else that, that went on. He gave water from the rock. Uh, he parted the sea. The pillar of cloud. The pillar of fire. The Lord was functional Throughout the history of Israel, he was very active for their good all the time. And it's been the same way with us. He is very active in our lives and with us. We have cried in faith and the Lord has covered us with favor. We realize it may be down the road and not in the moment, but the Lord is very good and active in our lives in many ways. In our history, we can say nothing but He has proven Himself to me. 
We come to the Lord Jesus Christ. We're drawn by the gospel. We're drawn by the word of God. And in childlike faith, we trust in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. But then as we walk through this life, He proves Himself to us. We know that He is our Lord and Savior. We know that He is real. We know He's walking with us. He is busy and active in our lives now. Just as he has been. He is very functional. He's not only functional, but he's fierce. Look with me again in verse 4. Down toward the end of the verse, it speaks of the praises of the Lord and his strength. In the Gospel of John, it says, My Father is greater than all. Wow, that, that, just, that just sums up a whole lot. That just puts God where He belongs. He is greater than all. Israel saw that God was stronger than every one of their obstacles that personally came in their way. I mean, Pharaoh was no match for God. Egypt... All of Egypt was no match for God. God took out the Amalekites. Every fearful thing that Israel faced ended up underneath the feet of God. And He is still that strong. The Bible says that nothing is impossible with God. Job says, I know that thou canst do everything. In Jeremiah, the word of the Lord is, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? What this portion of Scripture is leading you and I to be refreshed in and strengthened in is that God is able. If we leave with no other thought tonight, may we leave with the true fact within you and I, hid in our hearts, that God is able. He's not only fierce, He is forbearing. Jump down with me to verses 37 and 38. It says, For their heart was not right with Him, neither were they steadfast in His covenant. You see the condition of Israel there. Now, now look at God in verse 38. But He, being full of compassion, forgave their iniquity and destroyed them not. Yea, many a time turned He His anger away and did not stir up all His wrath. Wow. Though Israel was weak in faith, God continued to show Himself strong to them. In this time, in their time of doubt, in their time of refusal of God, in their time of rebellion, God showed Himself strong to them. Where does, in verse 38, wow, that's a title for a sermon there, those three words, many a time, yea, many a time, turned His anger away. God 
turned his anger away from them in their time of wilting and in their time of rebellion. And he turned his compassion to them. There were many times that Israel needed a lashing. Maybe sometimes they got it, but here they got love. There were times that they grieved the heart of God and God graced Israel. Many a time he turned his anger away from them. And you know, he is patient with us. You know, there's the... I love some good fire and brimstone preaching. And I love some good, healthy fear of God. But there are those maybe maybe listening in tonight, maybe here tonight. And it's possible you think that God is furious with you. You know, but what He's doing so much of the time is forbearing you and I. He's forbearing things in our lives. And He just wants us to receive His compassion. You know, you've, I've heard of professing Christians, and I know you've heard this before. I'm not going to the house of God. Lightning will probably strike me if I walk in the sanctuary. When God wants to give compassion to His people, He wants to love His people. He's working in our lives even when we're not walking by faith. He's never going to compromise, but God is patient with us. We look back and we see that. There may have been times in our young Christian life we really thought we were doing God a favor maybe, and God is so proud of us, and look at us, and we can look back and say, wow, God has truly been patient with us, his children. And that's what we need to see here tonight. He is a definite God. He is forbearing. But as we go to verses 6 through 8, we see a daily challenge for the next generation and for you and I. That the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments and might not be as their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that set not their heart aright and whose spirit was not steadfast with God. You know, we have a lot in common with Israel. God loved Israel. God loves us. God guided Israel, God guided us. God has shown His love and compassion to Israel. God has shown His love and compassion to us. But the response that we see here and our response should have nothing in common. They doubted God. They rebelled against God. They questioned God's ability. Why do we have this in the Word of God? Well, a couple of verses I want to turn to. First is Romans chapter 15, verse 4. It says here in the New Testament of these events in the Old Testament, 
For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 5, it says, With many of them God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Our daily challenge is simply to believe God. In the 62nd Psalm, in the 8th verse, it says, Trust in Him at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us, Selah. In other words, stop and meditate on that. Believe that God will meet your need in every situation. You know, the world lies in enough doubt. There's enough doubt in this world. There's enough questioning of can God going on. There was enough questioning of can God among Israel, the people of God. Let us be a people who says God can. Let us be confident in Him. May we believe. May our response to this life be just as Paul. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that He is able to keep that which I've committed unto Him against that day. Let us believe God. There was a missionary in another country and he was translating a portion of the Bible. And... In that language, they did not have a word for believe. And he's sitting on the front porch of some kind of hut or small house, and a young man comes running up. It's hot, he's sweaty, and he sits down in the chair. And what he said in his home language meant it feels good to rest the complete weight of my body on this chair. And as this missionary was sitting there stumped on a word for believe, he said, that's it. To rest the complete weight of our lives upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us believe God and all God says. That's our daily challenge. And let us also back up. God has moved mountains in our lives. Let his past works reassure you and I of our present wealth that we have in him. God always has and he always will come through for us. And he will he will bring us through in something or he will take us through and take us out of something. We need to believe that and we need to back up and watch what God has done because the, the statement that sums up too many Christians today is we believe he's going to, we believe what he's going to do for us when we die, but we don't believe what he's going to do for us while we live. And that unfortunately hits the nail on the head for some. You know, what is a head? is uncertain in detail. 
We don't know what the next month holds. We don't know what the next year holds in detail for us. For the trial that someone may be going through right now, you do not know how it's going to end. It's uncertain, but we can back up and consider what God has done before and understand that he does not lie, he cannot change, and he will do again what he's done before. Our daily challenge is to believe God. It's to back up. It's to bow to the word. Faith and love of the Lord will show itself in obeying the word of God. The word of God hid in our heart, it changes us. It's the renewing of our mind that we get from God's holy word that teaches us to be able to think like Him, that we would be in common in our hearts and learn to trust Him more. You know, God is glorified through a trusting soul. And that is exactly what our purpose is on this earth, that we would glorify God. And the power to do so is going to come by bowing to the Word of God, that we would obey and learn God's Word. Let us just close on a simple thought tonight, and that is that God is able. I pray that We all believe that in the midst of every one of our different circumstances that we're going through, that God is able. In a time of heaviness, hope kicks in for the Christian. We look to what God has done for us, what He shall do, and hope kicks in. Let us believe our beliefs and let us doubt our doubts. That's a struggle that many Christians have throughout their lives. The doubt always tries to creep up. And next thing you know, we haven't realized it, but we just feed our doubts. Rather than feeding on belief, rather than feeding on the book of life, the word of life that we have from the Prince of Life, our Lord Jesus Christ. God is able. I pray that helps you tonight. It has helped me through studying this out and considering what God used Israel that he might tell us. And and so with this, we're going to close our service.